For many Americans, the effects of climate change may seem distant, but warming temperatures and more severe droughts and floods are already affecting the health of vulnerable populations in the United States, and scientists expect extreme weather to exacerbate chronic and infectious diseases in the years to come. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with David Hunter, a professor in the Department of Epidemiology at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health and a statistical consultant at the Journal. Dr. Hunter has co-authored a perspective article on the health effects of climate change and what can be done to manage and mitigate them. Dr. Hunter, in your article, you describe the consequences that warming temperatures may have for people with chronic illness. Is there evidence that some of those harms, increasing asthma exacerbations, hospitalizations for respiratory cardiovascular conditions, that some of those are already occurring? Steve, we absolutely do see that. The main culprit is heat, and when heat comes earlier in the year and persists for longer, then there's an increase in hospital admissions, asthma admissions, particularly in children. And so physicians and health professionals are already dealing with the consequences of climate change in the United States. You also write that waterborne and vectorborne diseases will cause more harm to human health as a result of climate change. So what areas of the United States and what kinds of people will be most affected by those threats? So there's evidence that waterborne organisms are already blooming earlier and longer in the coastal regions. That has an effect on industries such as gathering of shellfish and clams in order to stop people getting sick. The international dimensions of this are more serious because there are parts of the world where water is already dirty that infections borne by infectious organisms that are encouraged by increased heat or drought and lower water levels cause much more extreme morbidity and even mortality than the episodes we see in the United States. You say that we need both adaptation to climate-related threats and mitigation to reduce the underlying causes of climate change. So in terms of adaptation, what can the U.S. healthcare system do to increase its capacity for managing these extreme weather-related events? So adaptation is often referred to as managing the unavoidable. The dynamic and momentum of climate change is such that we're guaranteed to be seeing elements of climate change over the next few decades. It's important to prepare for that. The public health system and hospitals have already made a lot of preparations So we are much better at alerting people to heat waves. Municipalities are better in many areas at establishing cooling stations. So particularly older people who don't have air conditioning and who may be living alone had a safe place to go through a heat emergency. But as those heat emergencies become more frequent and last longer, we're going to have to expand that capacity. And hospitals are going to have to be aware that they need to look days or weeks ahead to make sure that they have the surge capacity for increased outpatient visits and ER visits and hospital admissions. And then on the mitigation side, you write that healthcare facilities are among the most energy-intensive forms of commercial space. They have an important role to play in reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Are there many U.S. healthcare facilities that are moving toward that green model? There are some. And the issue with healthcare facilities is they tend to be very, very energy intensive. In our own area, for instance, we have one of the biggest power plants in Massachusetts, just in the same block as the concentration of our hospitals and university in Boston because of that massive energy need to keep hospitals cool and keep all of the various activities happening. So most of those 
facilities were built at a time when sustainable building development was not uppermost in mind. And it's really a matter of, as new facilities are built, really thinking very carefully about the design and the energy sources that will be contracted to use those facilities. The good news is that many newer facilities are doing just that, often for very sound commercial reasons, because in some areas, renewable energy actually costs less than buying energy from sources of major carbon emissions. Also, as healthcare professionals, we can really set the tone in our buildings for other industries. The healthcare industry is estimated to generate about 10% of carbon emissions in the United States. So it's a big industry that can have a powerful influence if we can get much more green energy and much more sustainability into our environments. Speaking of what healthcare professionals can do, in a related perspective article, Rosenbaum discusses strategies for communicating information about science to a skeptical public. How should physicians promote the message that climate change is a health issue rather than just a political one? So I think physicians can do that in two ways. Physicians are very busy. The presenting complaint is always top of mind. But if the opportunity arises during a consultation to reinforce the message that climate change is real, then that is an opportunity not to be lost. As we talk with our patients, as we worry about the environments in which they live, that message that climate change is real, it's not fake news, just in a brief interaction can be an important part of our ability to promulgate the message that then hopefully has ripples down the road and an effect on the way our politicians think. And the second thing we can do as role models or activists or opinion leaders in our communities, there are many, many opportunities, including through many of our professional medical societies, to engage more personally in the climate change agenda. In fact, the whole drive to make sure that policy decisions, particularly those affecting the environment, are made based on sound science. And so many, many physicians are going to be part of the Science March on April 22nd, all of the subsequent activities. And I think it's really very important for us as citizens, but also for our patients and communities, that we, to the extent that we want to, do get involved in sending the message that sound science should drive policies across the board, but also, very importantly, in this area of the response and hopefully ongoing United States leadership in the fight against climate change. Thank you, Dr. Hunter.